Welcome back to Rise and Rouse, the podcast for people who give a damn. I'm your host, Erin Alkid, social impact strategist who's recovering from imposter syndrome. Today, I am joined by Dr. Dina Brown, founder of the Leader Shift Movement and author of the book, Confidence, Unmasking the Imposter Within. Dina believes that the ability to find our true power lies within us all, and she wants to help us learn how to tap into that. In our conversation, we discuss the power of what Dina calls the chrysalis phase and what confidence in ourselves really means. Before we jump into it, just a quick note that this is the last interview for this season. I'll be back next week with a recap episode talking about all of my favorite moments throughout the season. As always, you can follow us wherever you listen to podcasts on social media, and you can subscribe to the All Good Strategies newsletter to stay up to date on future episodes. Thank you all for another fantastic season. Don't miss our recap episode next week. And now I'm so excited to introduce you to Dr. Dina Brown. Dr. Dina Brown, I'm so excited to have you on Rise and Rouse. We're going to just dive right into it because we already were talking about this and I don't want to I don't want to lose the momentum of what we're talking about. But you have been in a bit of a like, I want to say reset, it sounds like a reset. It's been a chrysalis. Ooh, I like that. That's right. It's been in the chrysalis and it's about burning away all the things that didn't serve me in the season of my life so that I literally can let my wings go to fly. And it's, it's been that transformation. So it's not even a reset. It's a transformation in this version of my cycle of that rebirth, that renewal um, that's there. So it's more like a rebirth renewal than just a reset. And I think that um, I differentiate them for a reason. Because when I think about a reset, it's like I kind of go back to start at the go, at the why. My why is there. It's not resetting. It's not even resetting the tone of my voice. What it went is like, you have all of these things, all these pieces, all of this even minutia, and some of them in grand scales of it. And I've carried it along with me on my journey. And I had to go inside and burn away and say, what serves me to the greatest good now? And that's why I say that chrysalis, because that caterpillar eats, 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 and then it lands. And then it goes into that um, chrysalis phase to transform. And then uh, it burns away any and everything that doesn't. So it gets to its wings. So the wings were already there. They always were there. That's why I said the Y was already there, but you couldn't see them because it was covered and it wasn't in the state to be able to fly yet. So there's two parts of that. When we think about the metamorphic journey that um, the caterpillar and the butterfly takes, not the moth, because the butterfly forms a chrysalis. The moth cocoons. Mm-hmm. And when you do the chrysalis, you're 100% have to be covered. You're 100% covered. Mm-hmm. And dealing with the ecosystem and dealing and depending on what's happening around you will determine when you come out. Do you remember? So there was a time we did a other podcast recording. I don't know for your podcast years ago now. That's recording we did the future cast. Oh, good. There, I said something about what does it mean to be both like the caterpillar, the chrysalis, and like the butterfly all at once. Do you mm-hmm. remember that? Like, it just gave me chills as you're talking about that. I, re- I, I forgot that I even said that at any point in the time. 
it feel it depends. Um, and that's been my new favorite word. I said, it really depends yeah. on if you're pulling from your subconscious or your conscious state. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> so when I ask, you know, clients and when I'm, I'm working with teams now and leaders, I'll ask them who's making this decision. Is it your subconscious you or your conscious you? Mm-hmm. Who's making it? Because your subconscious has all the triggers and has all the trauma and has all the narratives and has all of that stuff, good, bad, and indifferent mm-hmm. about where you've been and what you've been through. And that's what's clouding and shaping um, and shifting how you see the world right now. The conscious you is like, this is what I see right now. I'm not pulling from another narrative or another story. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now. And so when you think about what is it like to feel all those things, it depends. Where is your state? Are you in that space of the journey or are you in the state of the presence? So I want to hear more about you <laughs> in the in the chrysalis state of things. Oh and chrysalis state's amazing. So <laughs> my forthcoming book is called Confidence. <laughs> yes. Masking the imposter within. In the center of the word confidence is I-D, your identity. But what is your identity and where's your identity formed? And and who are you right now in the season? And it ties 100% into that chrysalis state. Why? Is because on our journey, and we've had this, we've been preconditioned and pre-programmed to be imposters, to mask mm-hmm. who we are, to hide who we are. And I call that you know, part of it for, for whatever reason, whether it was for safety's sake and for all the different reasons, that's not really what I'm speaking to right now. The part of it, it just is. That oxidation of life, what what you've been through and how that has all these layers on top of you. And you've lost that sense of self since birth. Since birth. If you think about a newborn baby, right? They're not worried about if you like it or not. I'm hungry, I'm crying, give it to me. <laughs> But the conditions of life begin to be applied to that baby and begins to shape an alternate version of themselves. How do we get back to that core? Is what that chrysalis state is about. Not that we want to cry and go, you know, poop in our diapers. (laughs) Yeah. I don't care how much full of shit we are. We don't want to do that. (laughs) But do we want the pureness of who am I? And people's like, well, I don't understand. I don't understand. Okay, here's here's the thing. When we understand the impact that our mind body soul connection and how our our neuroscience and the you know I love the art of neuroscience, right? Mm-hmm. And and the science behind our beliefs and what we know about ourselves is that the very first time that baby is left, they're crying, and no one comes to pick it up. They're beginning to say, wait a minute, maybe I'm not worthy. They're not saying this in a verbal sense. But it still sits on the on the amygdala. Yep. Because amygdala says, "I gotta protect you at all cost." Well, here's what you're gonna do: don't cry, right. and someone will pick you up. You don't release your emotions. So I'm I'm speeding the timeline of things, but you can right, see right. how back and and as we're journeying through our life cycles, right? And we're having all these different oxidations of life with experiences. Then we go to school, sit neatly in a row in a chair. Only raise your hand. I have to give you permission to speak. And then if you did speak without permission, 
And you were excited, again, because being a former educator, I remember our kids would get so super excited, they just wanted to blurt out. Because mm-hmm. they couldn't contain it. Yeah. And without giving them the right tools to say, okay, here's how we do this respectfully and in a way, we tell them, be quiet or we punish them. So what gets imprinted on your psyche? Do not use your voice. Do not wait till you have permission to speak. And if someone doesn't give you permission, be quiet. Mm-hmm. So now you transfer that person into a corporate workspace, a work, uh, adult workspace. How come you never speak up for yourself? And you're like, I don't know. You're sitting there going, I don't know. Because subconscious you is saying, remember when we did that in fourth grade and Mrs. Ledbetter, she was really whatever. She reamed you in front of the class and you were so embarrassed. But until, so how do we mitigate that? So we don't have to stay there. So that chrysalis phase is for me, how I call that and how I take like my clients through that in the, in the book confidence ID um, and all of that, how I take them through that is that when you are recognizing a shadow version of yourself or you're masking, you first ask yourself, is it because of external threat or internal threat? Oof. And the external is you're making a decision with your conscious. If it's internal, there's been a trigger. Imposter syndrome is a trauma-triggered response to your psychic wounds. Mm. No one's talking about it that way. They keep saying, oh, this is no. It's a trauma-triggered response to psychic wounds. Yeah. That's what it is. And so will you ever get rid of it? No. Can you mitigate it? Because you have been trained to be that. And that chrysalis phase you go into is for you to burn away. And there are cycles of that for you. And so when I sit there and say, these are narratives and stories that don't serve me anymore because I'm not that person anymore. At one point in time, it did serve me because it kept me safe. It kept me from, you know, feeling shame. It kept me from all kinds of things. So it's nothing to be ashamed of. We have to reframe it and look at what was the purpose of it. So when you have a wound and anyone who's been an athlete and my son's an athlete and he injured his knee, he had to have surgery, tore meniscus, and then he did a little something recently. And so he's got a lot of effusion water on the knee. But people are like, what? I said, no, what's causing it? Because the body, the knee's protecting itself from something. Right. So it's swelling up with water. So for us, when we are swelling up with fear, we're swelling up with isolation, we're swelling up. What is the cause of it? We're not getting to the root of it. We're not getting to the ID. And what is it doing? It's impacting how we show up and how we see ourselves, our identity and the confidence to be ourselves in this season of our life. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of that unmasking. Um, and now I can have a conversation with 13-year-old Dina, 15-year-old Dina, 25-year-old Dina, 39-year-old Dina, you know, like, okay, sis. <laughs> and that's what happens in the chrysalis is that, okay. When you were married to that person and they were verbally abusive and they told you everything that you weren't and the fact that you were ambitious and that you wanted more out of life and, and that they told you that that somehow was wrong, your brain's always listening. And so it's got stored somewhere. And so when I run into someone and they're asking me something or I, I experience something right now at 51, right, those elements come back. And so unless I know myself, which is the chrysalis phase, is that what it does? It's like, okay, Dina, here's who you are right now in the season. And it's the closest to your authentic self. And, and there's a lot of fear in the chrysalis phase for you to be able to fly. But fear is designed to get you to move. 
in that space because will people accept me? Well, no, not unless you accept yourself. That That's that chrysalis section of time that you go through. And so you go through these highs and these lows. You're in this little space, right? You're crying. Oh, lots of tears. But the powerful part is that you're inside of you seeing you and making a conscious decision as you exit, right? Come out. Who am I right now in the season? It makes me want to go into chrysalis phase right now, <laughs> which I have been. I have. I mean, I've watched your journey. You've been yeah. in the chrysalis phase. You know, hunty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In that phase. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're fine, baby. And, and as you're flying, <laughs> and this is those other wonderful tidbits when we think about People ask me, like, gosh, you know, do you think like this all the time? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Because uh-huh. if we want to understand ourselves, look at nature's natural and universal, amazing divine design. Yeah. We can tell a lot about who we are and where we are if we literally just look at yeah. nature's universal divine design. Just paying attention. Just paying attention to nature. Yeah. Paying attention to nature, the ebbs and the flows and, and how things. And so... The, the story that, you know, is often shared, we talk about what happens with um, the butterfly coming out of a chrysalis and someone sees that um, butterfly struggling and it's trying to pump its wings to get yeah. out. It, it's hard. And I remember as an educator, the kids wanted to help pull away the chrysalis. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's great. Because you see blood. And I don't know if you've ever seen. It ain't pretty, y'all. Have you seen this? Yeah. If you seen it come out, it ain't pretty. It's bloody. Mm-hmm. It's bloody coming out. Yeah on that metaphorically it's bloody and the kids want to help it and so I had one student who actually nipped and kind of helped because it's like oh my mind's not coming out and the others the others had already been out and flying in the butterfly garden and so we wanted to speed up the process it never (laughs) works (laughs) never works snipped it butterfly comes out the side where it was snipped so it could get out the wing was ill-formed and deformed. Mm. <laughs> the other one, the other side that wasn't, it was fully formed, but the butterfly still couldn't fly. Right. And Ugh. it couldn't fly because the the processes, the fighting for my right now I am, it didn't get to do. Someone intervened in the process and the timing and so that wing was informed. And so when you're coming out of that chrysalis phase, there's no time limit. So I'm saying like, yeah, you'll start to see that. And it's those, those battles you won inside of yourself that you're now showcasing to the world. So can you stand in the face of your instigator and hold your I am story? Because you did all that inner work, you burned off and you're saying now, fuck it. Here I am. <laughs> here I am the fuck here i am and when the first person's run up in your face and says to you who do you think you are and you shrink instead of no who do you know i am mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. so it's something because it got you triggered why does my presence and my amazingness and my epicness bother you what work do you need to do boo you see mm-hmm. what I mean? We can reframe it here so that we don't shrink and then layer someone else's perspective and opinion on our I am narrative. That's when we begin to fly in the new season of our life. And, and I shared this 
with, gosh, I don't know, the last time I was talking to some person and I said, it's not other the weight of other people's opinions that we have to let go of. It is the weight of our own self-recrimination. Yes. Who we are and are. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I haven't heard it put quite like that before. And it's just like so profound when you say it, because it really is like so much of the work that we have to do is starts with us and, and situating ourselves within the broader context of the environment that we're in, you know, and that's exactly what a crystal, like all of those conditions that are, that are present at the time when you're putting, you're going into chrysalis phase do have a factor too. But it doesn't change the fundamental like essence oh, at its core. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. You'll you'll be transformed, but into what? Mm-hmm. That's really what I'm saying. It's like, mm, yeah. you're still a butterfly. But are you really flying or do you have to execute on the ground? Mm. And the way you do, because you still have a purpose, see? So th- that wing being allowed for you to fl- does not negate your purpose. And I think that when we, when life happens to us, when we call life, lifing, <laughs> we feel like this happened to us. And now it changed my ability to execute on my divine calling and purpose. Liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> it means that you're going to have to have a different set of toolkits. Yes. And so I had a conversation with my girlfriend. I had the best conversations with her and we were talking about confidence and I get asked that a lot about people like, how do I build my confidence? How come you're so confident? How could you mm-hmm. help me be confident? Which is why my book is titled Confidence. Mm-hmm. And I actually went through multiple titled iterations of that. It used to be um, decoding imposter syndrome, reframing it. And I kept saying, wait a minute, it's not about them celebrating and sitting in that imposter narrative. What do they want? They want confidence. They want audacious confidence. They really desire to show up as their authentic self as a leader. That's what my leaders want. That's what I'm like, that's what it is. And I said, ah, so I've been looking, I keep looking at, was I keep looking at my board. <laughs> I, I'm just sitting there. It's, it's the word confidence. I had the idea. And I had all of the branches in there. I was like, that's the title of the book, yeah. which is what I hadn't released the other guy. I was like, that's it. And we had the conversation recently about confidence. This is this was a game changer for me. We are all confident. We all are. But here's the caveat, Aaron. Where are we putting our confidence? Yeah. And the fact that we suck, can't do anything, or that we are the boldest, baddest, audacious mm-hmm. version of ourselves. See, people are like, oh, it's just, no, 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 no. You're confident in something. You're confident that you have to shrink in order mm-hmm. to be and I think particularly for women of color and black women per se, I felt like the need to shrink in order to be able to get work done has been part of our oxidation and been part of um, this, the narratives yeah. that have been told to us. And so when I said, you know, when I started doing the research on imposter syndrome, which is my subject matter, like expertise and my research I'm currently even doing on um, imposter syndrome and its intersectionality with race, class and trauma is the fact that when we think of who we are, and I start asking women, particular senior level, C-suite, black women, badass women, and they're like, I got imposter syndrome. Do you they got to help me? I'm like, you got imposter syndrome? Yeah. And I'm like, okay. I said, so let's walk through this. So Clinton Ings, when they first, if anyone's familiar with the initial research in what, 1977, 78, um, Clinton Ings did a study and they picked, you know, 
a select group of women and there's some narratives around those particular women. These women had, you know, had access to therapy. So I want you to think about 1977. Yeah. Access to yeah. therapy. And the, the level and the success of, of these women. Think about who might have been in the picture, who wasn't in the picture. And think about who was actually, and I still have not been able to get that data set of who, what were the, demo, what were the profiles of the people that you did look at? What were their profiles like, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what I realized when I started doing this work, it was something different because it was more than. Mm -hmm. That was the start of something that was bigger because it didn't take into um, consideration microaggression, systemic racism, right. intersectionality, uh, any of those other things. It just said that you feel a certain way, like you're not enough or that you're an imposter whenever you have gotten it. And so it was, I was sitting there going, you know, I'm like, and I kept saying, okay, these women are saying they have imposter syndrome. I'm listening to them. So I said, okay, can I share with you the clinical definition? So I <laughs> give them the clinical definition. I go, is that how you feel like you don't deserve what you have? Hell no, I deserve this. <laughs> ah, okay. Different conversation. Yep. It's not yep, what yep. you are saying to you. It's what you believe about that proverbial day. And I think that's when we first start talking. I said, I always wanted to do a TED talk. It says, who the fuck uh, is this? And they is you. Is that you're saying that this is their perception of who I am and you didn't take the intersectional factors in your ecosystem, but yet you layered on a title. And I said, I realized in the work, I didn't have an imposter narrative or a narrator telling me that you're not good enough. My narrator said, you're too much for people. Mm. And because of your boldness, your largesse, particularly people, women, white women, white men will be intimidated by you. And whenever you use your voice and whenever you show up in the fullest sense of yourself, the largesse of your presence and your boldness will limit your opportunities. So it wasn't that I didn't feel like I deserved it. I knew I did. It was the fact that if I wanted to get it, I had to be a bastardized version of myself. Yeah. And that impacts you over time, your adrenals. I mean, it physically impacts you. Oh, you yeah. think of health association with different aspects of your body um, that's tied to your mental um, and emotional well-being from your adrenals, your, you know, your, your kidneys, your liver, your immune system. And, and you think about all the illnesses and ailments, particularly women and women of color you know, struggle with these autoimmune. Well, these are about the suppressions of yeah. your voice, identity, your confidence, and the expectation that you're supposed to be resilient. And so pulling all of those things, you know, back together, when I start doing this work on this book and I start doing this work in this chrysalis and I start doing, you know, all of that, Erin, in all honesty, it was like, what the fuck? I'm on to something. It's bigger than, it's bigger than. And I have been working on this. It's like, how long have you been working on this? 51 years. <laughs> you know, academically, about 15 years. Yeah. Yeah, you've been talking about this for a long time. I, we, you and I have had these conversations. Like, but it's, yeah. this is like a level of clarity that you've come to. It, like, lately, that is like, it is, it's amazing. It's an amazing, that's yeah. the crystal. So you said, that's the chrysalis. Yep. Is that? Okay, take off that, take off that, mm, take off that. And and being okay with it not serving me anymore. Yep. That was the other part. Yep. We want to hold on to like, you know, those 
mm-hmm. jeans came out from 1985. <laughs> yes. We kind of sort of almost fit them, but we liked them because that was the first pair of jeans of Jordache jeans that we got from so and so, and we just want to hold them and look at them. Put them motherfuckers in a shadow box, hang them on the wall, and yeah. keep them moving. Get them out the closet, right? Mm-hmm. So I like that was that. And so when I had the leadership movement, and I realized it's still part of what I what I do, the leadership movement is part of what it. And I thought the leadership movement was my umbrella to my company, mm-hmm. which is why it was never a business. It was more about my philanthropic work, my service work, yeah. and all of that. And I started to say, okay, the Leadership Institute, which is the digital platform where you could kind of go and get all these tools and resources to help, you know, build yourself in these areas. And I was like, okay, it's not that. And I just kept going through like all of these different going, what is this all funneling to? So I'm having this conversation and I said, you know, I'm going to do, I I know what it is. It's called the Leadership Cafe. And under the cafe is the movement, is the Institute, is the podcast. That level of clarity was like, poof, now it's ready. And so my web developer is working on the website. Um, but logos um, pretty much finished. Getting ready to showcase that soon. So that's what I realized. I now had the business to house all the parts. And I said, when we think about a cafe, mm. <laughs> that's where we go for community, for yeah. you know, <laughs> for collaboration. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff. And so that's what's been birthed in this season. So what am I doing? I was like, okay, melanin talks. Yeah. Because I had all these pieces. I'm like, they fit together. But what is the name and umbrella of where they fit? Because each in their own right is an entity. But where was it flowing into? That's what I was missing. And so so melanin talks, again, the cafe, yeah. We host melanin talks. So, so it wasn't a bifurcation of my vision and my brand. And I kept saying, what is my brand? And I did ask the public. And I said, what is it that when you look at me, and it's the one thing. Remember I did that I a while do back. remember, yeah. Done it again. And so I'm going to ask you again, what's that one thing when people think about me as a brand? What is it? I don't remember what I said back then. Oh, I think I do remember what I said. I think I said something like unstoppable, but that's not quite even what I what I would say now. Like I would say it's something like, nope, it's not going to come. It it'll come at the end of this probably. It'll like two in the morning when I wake up and think about it. But and it's, I love that too. That because yeah. it's I can literally see it's like pulling all this. It's this. It's yeah. this. It's this. It's this, and it comes together synergistically um, into that. And that was my experience. What you just yeah did, that was me. I was like. It's this, but yeah, it's this too. Oh yeah. my God, it's this. Okay, wait, it's this. And it's almost undefinable. Ineffable. That's my favorite word is ineffable. <laughs> and people are like, what is that word? I'm like, no, no, no it's good. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that, I mean, but it, ineffable is so, it's like lacking in definement though. And I don't think that that's describes you. Although like that process, I, I feel like the crystals process can feel very ineffable. Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels like a journey home. Like, let me like, that's what it feels like is as you're saying that, cause I have been watching for years as like all of these different, you've done all of these different pieces and like, and, and I always kind of was like, well, what, how does that all like come together? You know what I mean? Like, and I feel that for myself too, cause there's so many different like things that oftentimes feel disparate 
but I know there's a connection, but I don't know exactly how they connect. And like, I think there's so many of us who go through that journey, especially creators, entrepreneurs, like folks like us, like who are constantly thinking about like, how can we serve the world? And so it's like, it feels like a journey home. Like you said, like the chrysalis, it's like the, the coming back, the wings are the why, you know what I mean? Like I'm feeling that right now. That's, it, it feels really, really cozy and comfy and fit. And it fits like the pair of jeans that not the Jordashes that don't fit anymore. It fits like the, the like whatever you the Calvin Kleins that you're wearing now. That was my thing. The Calvin Kleins were the jeans of my past. Religion. I like true religion. Yeah. 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 It, it, it does. And you're a hundred percent right. It feels like coming home to self. Yeah. And, you know, my theorem, which has been all this work based on the shift theorem, right? Mm-hmm. First tenant, which is why confidence IDs is focused on one of the core tenants of the shift theorem, the shift factor is self-awareness. Mm-hmm. That's why it's book one. And I initially was trying to put all the, I was like, ah, <laughs> but I need to know it's too much. I have to bring it back and literally just focus on that self-awareness piece. Because it's the anchoring piece of knowing who you are right now in this season that'll allow you to move through the other narratives and the other journey and the other aspects of your life. And so that's kind of what it was. And people are like, I see you do. I said, because I was testing things. Yeah. Like it was, it was a testing factor. So I always knew what it was, like it, that it, it is. And I remember one of my mentors, so she's like, you just say, I want to do this. Boom, you do it. And you move to the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, yeah. I said it was, and I never thought I couldn't do it, but it was me challenging myself just to do it. Yeah. And I said, it didn't mean that it wasn't going to ever come back. It was like, okay, do it. Okay. Do this. Okay. Do this. And she goes, I love that. And you're, and I said, but here's what the chrysalis, why it was needed is that I still kept feeling, I'm not doing anything. And so what inside of the chrysalis was for me to see the mosaic yeah. of the story. Mm-hmm. And it was burning away because all that was needed for my wings. And to stand in the space, to be bold enough in the space to share about my big, bold dream. I've always had the dream to open a bed and breakfast. Always had a dream to open a wellness center. And because of my genius and my gift, I listened to others' narrative about where and how I should show up to serve. I did not focus on how I wanted to create impact and not just imp- inspiration. So people need me to inspire them. And my soul was saying, Dina, you need to impact them. People wanted my inspiration. Because they call me out, oh, I just need your inspiration. I need you to cheer me up. No, 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 no. I need you to shift. I need you to move. And so me masking or playing smaller was to inspire people. Not that it's not important. Right, right. But I was called here on this planet impact people and get them to move. And when I start sitting in that space and identifying what that looked like in my flywheel, hmm. now momentum you see and the cogs all come together. And what I also learned though is do it at your pace. Yeah. Tell me more about that. Because like it's hard, especially when you're somebody who's used to being like, you know, you've seen me do this too, where I've gone so hard at things and like don't stop, don't pause. You know, so tell me about the pace. The pace. Oh my goodness, the pace, the pace, the <laughs> pace. Pace is really critical when we're talking about our own individual journey and the collective journey. Is that where are you casting your eyes and your vision? 
So in the current world, in our social world, in our highly visible world, we're constantly looking around us and seeing what other people are doing and rarely look inside of us and see what's happening. And so first step is in that, what I call the I factor, is to be able to go to the inside of you and look inside and say, how am I feeling? Ask yourself that question. How am I feeling? I didn't say, how are you thinking? Right. Because your thoughts are caught up in the conscious of this over here. And you want to, you're thinking, I got to go faster. I got to move. I got to catch up to people. How are you feeling? And so that's the anchoring to the pace. Yeah. If you're feeling tired, you're feeling burnt out. You're feeling like I can't even focus. I feel if any of those things are following your, I feel statements, slow the fuck down. Yeah. Slow the fuck down. And <laughs> it means physically, you don't, you need rest. You'll be able to go faster if you rest. Number two, you probably, how are you nourishing your body? So now once you're slowing down, that pace is, what am I using to fuel me? To fuel, you cannot run a marathon on fragmented energy. Right. You won't finish. Even when, I just saw a private screening of Gran Turismo. So many lessons in that. But I love racing. I love racing. I used to take David to Formula One racing. I love racing. But when there's an accident or someone goes off the rails, what do they send out? It's a pace car. Slow the race down. Yep. Everybody get back on track. When things are all over here and you're feeling all over the place, slow down. Activate your pace car. And what you have to do is stop looking and how fast other people are going, because that's another trigger where you think you've got to keep up with them. And so I believe in life hacks. I put things in place like, oh, blinder. I set things on my timer. I have a meditation break every day that goes off at my timer. I have my like biurnal beats and meditation music set for 10 minutes. I just sit there. I have to, you know, the only reason I'm connected to technology at that point in time is so I can play the music to do that. And then I had to do a forgiveness ceremony. What was that like? Oh my God. I can't even imagine. Emotional. I had to, because I was trying to slow down without acknowledging and addressing the injuries that I accrued going fast. Yeah. And the scar tissue. And I had to go back in and massage that and loosen that up and then forgive. And that forgiveness piece was forgiving myself for believing that I had not achieved anything amounted to much. I had to forgive myself for the opportunities because you have an opportunity to choose one. You have choices. I always have to make sure I'm clear with this language is that we have choices in front of us. You can choose agony or you can choose alchemy. And once you make a decision, that's where you'll continue to move. You have to decide. So the choice isn't where it, it stops. And I think for many of us in our lives that we think the choice, these are the choices. No, but what decision will you make? You're still going to be on a journey. Which journey do you want to take? That's your decision. Mm-hmm. And the alchemy is saying that that was fucked up. But what can I extract from it to grow me into the next thing? And how was that? at that season and point in my life, instrumental and me big, building bigger, bolder ways to fly higher. So it's the reframing that's necessary. 
the agony will have you sit there ruminating. Oh my God, they left me. oh my God, it was so horrible. Yeah. And you will keep playing that tape over and over and over again. And you'll feel worse and your body will feel worse and you'll feel horrible. Doesn't mean that you won't still succeed and have things, but how do you feel? Yeah. So your pace is all about the feeling. And I think it's for a lot of folks getting to that point, getting to that like level of, of honesty with ourselves is hard, is really, really hard to kind of recognize how things have been serving us and to forgive ourselves and to do something different. Because even though you're in a pace car, it probably at some points feels really hard to go slower. Like, it's super hard to go slower. What are you yeah. talking about? The hardest thing in the world. I didn't say that was easy. Yeah, yeah. It was hard because I am battling that other aspect of self that I need to move because someone I'm gonna be left behind. Yep. And so those again, trauma is a psychic wound. Right. Right. Which is why I said then I gotta lean into how I'm feeling. Because if I am jumping into how I'm thinking, then, and it's super hard, which is why I start setting timers. I start putting systems in place yeah. to slow me down. What other systems do you have? Because like this is, there's so many systems I have in place, like redundant systems too, because I know myself. <laughs> I do redundancy because, you know, when your body repeats it, you know, so mm-hmm. many times it becomes, um, it can book on autopilot, ties into that basal ganglia, right? Mm-hmm. And it becomes what you do. So whether it's good, bad, or different, you've got to be cautious of that. So one of the first things that I do um, is that I use technology as a tool. And part of that is setting timers. I literally set multiple timers. I have now sleep timer um, where my phone goes on do not disturb. Um, my phone is on do not disturb through two o'clock in the afternoon. And there's only a small window that I'm actually available on demand, you yeah. know, and that's between like two and seven. And so seven o'clock, it goes off. And uh, now my son can get to me 24 seven because I have that yeah. you know, mechanism and the key people that really matter strategically and importantly, and that impact, they can have access to you. So this is not getting, it's saying right. I am really going to prioritize me. And what I'm saying to self is I'm prioritizing me. Then at 9 PM is bedtime. That sounds delicious. <laughs> I never do that. <laughs> to 9 PM to officially like sleep, sleep, sleep. But I shut down. It's like no more work. No, because, you know, no more work. You're not working. No more work. If you want to sit and veg out and watch the Lincoln Lawyer and binge watch that, do that. Mm -hmm. And then by 10, though, I'm like, get in the bed. Unless I'm out, there's no. And then I put on again my deep sleep, my 433, you know, I literally start putting the tools around me and made them easily accessible. But I also listen to my body. There's been times where I'm like, I'm not tired at all. Like, I'm not tired at all. And I said, okay, so what What will we do? And sometimes I'm going to create. So then I start monitoring my cycles. The second thing I did is start monitoring my cycles. Mm. I start writing it down. Because I do have, again, look at nature's divine design, where I'm in a highly creative space. And I create during the melanin hours often. So mm-hmm. when I can't, I'm like, ding, 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 wide awake. I literally am, I lean into that. So I don't do absolutes is my second point. Yeah. I set things up to create a system, but what I lean into, I don't do absolutes because the one thing that is a standard is that I listen to my body. I love that. 
I almost think that so a lot of what you're talking about is like the opposite of goal setting because <laughs> it's just like because goal setting boxes you in in so many ways to kind of like, nope, this is how this has to be. But like being able to create the fluidity that's needed is is really, really powerful. And I started at this. I've, I've been somebody who always wakes up at like six o'clock, you know, for many, many years. And I and I would like pack my calendar with meetings and things like that. And over the last, I don't know, year or so, maybe not quite that long, but like I have started allowing my body to just sleep as long as it wants and and to go to bed when I want and exercise when I want. Like I've been sleeping until eight o'clock every day, which is not a normal thing for me. And I've had to shift all of the you know, I used to have a standing 8 a.m. meeting um, with my virtual assistant. Most other people don't get access to me at that time. But I moved it because I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I just can't be I can't be on that early. I don't want to be on that early. You know, of course, there's exceptions because like I know I just put something on my calendar for 830 in the morning for a client that I'm like, OK, this, but that's a one off thing. You know, what I mean, that's a one off thing that would have to happen. And it's being able to like be that present in my own body has yeah. worked wonders like really i've had to i've had to like i've grown in that yes, oh. that that's 100 percent. and i even began to shape reshape my language about that and this is i'm still working through that and everything i'm sharing like it's still, i'm always yeah. still like working progress but here's the thing i'm conscious of it like you got to be conscious of it i stopped telling myself you can't do that no yeah. i start saying you don't want to do it like <laughs> yes people, i said no i don't want to I don't want to. Yeah. Or I will not. Because the can't portion tied into other narratives, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the narrator about lack and ability. And so my own psychic trigger wounds about having to prove myself. So when I say I can't, then I got to prove myself. And so I push myself in a you know subconscious space. So when I start saying, oh, I don't want to. Oh, my God. It was so liberating. <laughs> they, they said, well, can you guys? And I can, but I don't want to. <laughs> people look like what she say? oh i don't want to no it was a, the power i'm telling you it was so to see their face is comical number one um because in the past we'll, we'll say well i can't i can't make it mm-hmm. and now when it when it applies like say say hey like dina we're having them say, oh i can't make it because i have a conflict that's different i'm not talking about right that right, right right i'm not talking about that i'm saying like you're sitting there going, I just want to curl up with my fluffy zippers and mm-hmm. I don't want to go. I don't want to do that. And when I started doing that, I started honoring myself in a way that self recognized me honoring it and got bolder and more confident mm-hmm. and stronger. It's like ID. you're claiming agency in a way that like can't doesn't allow you to claim agency. Absolutely. That's so cool. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> it is but it's so funny as we're talking about this though i'm like oh if i was to say that like i you know in my own head it's like triggers the whole kind of like that whole train starts like you know gear it up to be like oh but if i say that people are gonna think i'm a bitch do you know what i mean like people are gonna think i am just like the self-important bitch like mm-hmm. and it's it's so funny like that that automatically happened in my head as we're having this conversation that like that like tingle I got in my chest around like, ooh, people are going to think this about me. And I mean, that's like literally just like played out everything we've been talking about <laughs> in real time. 
all of that is in Confidence ID, the book. Like it's <laughs> that journey and how do you yeah. move through that? And from all, like if you can tell, it's all the things we've talked about over years. Like yeah. it was bringing it all together. Like, oh, that's what's happening? Yeah. Because for me, it's about application. And how do we apply this? And that I had to apply it first. Yeah. That was the thing. And then I had to not only apply it because I realized I was, I had to understand it and clarify it so that I can now articulate it and stand in that space. Because I was like, oh, that's what, because people was like, well, you just do so much. You're all over the place. No, I'm not. I'm very clear. <laughs> because you don't have clarity on what's inside my head is, is your concern. I'm very clear on what it, what I'm doing, what I'm saying. And I had to get to that point to recheck people. I was like, nope, that's not it. Because when people say, gosh, it seems like you're all over the place. You just got so much going on. You're doing everything. That would go in and yeah. it would freak me out. And I'd be like, oh my God. And then I'm like, oh, I can't do that. I only can do this. Oh, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Not realizing and trusting my intuitive nature of knowing that it was all interwoven. I will tell you this, Eric, this has been a journey that I can laugh about now because I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> But now that I'm seeing it, not just seeing it, but talking about it as my one thing, as my one thing. And people I mean, like, what do you want to be known for? Audacious confidence and authentic leadership. That's, yeah. my, that's my claim. And um, I'll tell you, yeah, I'll tell you the confidence thing. I've done this analogy. Anyone said, listen to my thing before is that I start looking up the word um, confidence, right? And it means strong trust. And what it means firm trust. Ooh, I like that. Firm hmm. trust. In the dictionary, it means firm trust. And, you know, I had to unpack that more. And we think about something firm is like hard. Firm trust. Firm trust in what was the big first question that I asked. And so I created the acronym trust to go with that it's truth resonating under situations of trauma truth resonating under situations of trauma that's what trust is and so i ask people are you speaking through your trauma or your truth yeah whichever one is talking that will impact what you put your trust in and what you have firm trust in other people's opinion and version of you or yours is one or the other. And you can tell that by how you live your life and how you make your decisions and how you show up. When we truly understand that trauma is a psychic wound, it wasn't that you fell down, you scraped your knee. That's that part is the visible piece that needs to heal. Yeah. That's a hurt. That's a wound. The trauma sits on your psyche. And so part of that is, is the healing space that's needed and the work that has to be done on your terms in your season but one of the first things that you have to do is identify, is this an internal or is this an external? And once you deal with that, when you're wondering what's impacting your confidence, your ability to show up, if that if every day you came into my office and you work with me and I was like, Aaron, you're not shit. <laughs> Everybody else get promoted in front of you. They got the best options or world for jobs and I gave you the most, whatever else. And so you're wondering like why you have low self-esteem and you keep thinking it's all you. Yeah, You're saying, I just don't have self-esteem. I'm nobody and I don't believe in myself. I let people walk all over me. And you think that that is your narrative. Mm-hmm. You're not taking into consideration the ecosystem right. in which you're being in, right? Mm-hmm. 
no, you are having a trauma, traumatic response to something. (laughs) That's where your identity got lost. You left it behind. And so in this season, I'm helping everybody fucking body go pick up where they left their confidence. (laughs) I want you to pick it back. Go pick you back up wherever you left it. And if you can't remember, then leave that shit on the ground, get you a new pair. (laughs) Yeah. So that's what I'm working on. That's what I've been doing. That's where I am. (laughs) One of the things I love just the most about you is just this like radical transparency that you have too, just around the journey because so many people, not many of the people, really nobody who's like on the podcast per se, but like people I talk to are just kind of like, they want to present that like the neat and tidy version of whatever journey they've been on so that it can be um, packaged more cleanly or whatever, whatever. And I, I appreciate that like you, you share that this is like it you didn't come to this like it didn't just like light bulb in your head one day like this has been work and and i think so much of like change that happens in the world requires that kind of like work but because of how we present it in such a um bite-sized version of things they don't actually get to see the reality of it and that's you know just me reflecting back to you like why i i love talking with you so much is that i feel like i the authenticity like i feel it and that authenticity helps people to also understand and like tap into their own authenticity which is huge thank you so much yeah it was it was even sharing at that level have a son that'll learn you have an adult son mm. that'll learn you even more and i tell people i am who i am because i'm xavier's mom yeah and he's the single most important person in the world he's my favorite human period and um doesn't mean I like him all the time, but I love him forever. Mm-hmm. And um, who did I need to be to be the mom he needed to be the man he needs to be yeah. was what I leveled everything on. And I had to get out of my own fucking way. And I was like, okay, either you're going to level up or, or what? And so when I couldn't do it for me, this is another hack. I did it because of him and that's okay. I was like, I, okay, do you know it? But I look at him and I'm like, uh-uh, you can't stay there. You cannot stay there because it is hurting the single most important person in your fucking life. Mm-hmm. Get your shit together. Like now. Yeah. Get all that ego shit out the way. And it was, it surprised me. I'm a private person. So I love yeah. what you're saying because I'm a private person. Like I see all over. You probably see 10, 5% of my life. Yeah. Me, like don't share a lot. But I didn't realize what I did share was so impactful. Yeah. Go figure. I just, because mm-hmm. I wasn't, that was my headspace. I wasn't doing it for that. But it was something interesting someone said to me. And they said, Dina, it's just, this is why, this is how I transitioned into what you're saying that that radical transparency. Yeah. And I realized the impact it had and really helping someone else through their journey and why I started even digging deeper into the work and sharing the work. I wasn't sharing because I was ashamed. I just didn't think that it was necessary to share or that people were really listening. That's a whole other thing, though. But, you know. And someone said to me, you just, everything's always so easy for you. I said, what the fuck are you talking about? I've been doing a lot of shit. I've been doing a lot. Are you kidding me? You think I'm here today? And I just woke up like this? I've been doing (laughs) shit. And I just made a decision that I didn't want to stay there. And that's when I started getting into what you're saying. I was like, okay, hold up, y'all. Y'all got this all twisted. And that had been the catalyst for me being more vocal about that. Because I didn't know what people needed, wanted, or it was going to be that impactful in their life. I just didn't. 
Yeah. I, and, I, and it was not about like, oh my God, I'm nobody. No, it was like, oh, really? You care about that? Because I, okay, y'all, but y'all, this is <laughs> one second. Of course. <laughs> I don't really give two real fucks about your life and what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I really don't. From a standpoint of, I need to be checking in on your life all day to rate my life based mm-hmm. on that. That's mm-hmm. what I mean by the people I love and care about. I'm all up in your business. I'm like, what are we doing? I'm excited about yeah. that. But I am not comparing my journey to yours. So I did not think, I said, I didn't feel, I didn't think that people were looking at my journey and my experiences going, oh, wait a minute. She was able to do that. So I can't, I didn't. Cause I was like, in my head, oh, I could do it. Let me just figure, let me just figure this out. Mm-hmm. You know, that's been my narrative. So when people start coming to me and I was like, oh, okay, let me tell you how to do it. And that's where it was like, oh, here's the theorem. Okay, here's the framework. Here's my toolkit. And I said, Dina, you're onto something. And so my girlfriend, I call her my personal board of director, um, president. She's like, Dina, can I need you? People need what you have. And so then here's the part, everybody, I'm really, I, and I know you probably heard a thousand times from me. And anytime you hear, you're going to hear a thousand times or more. Here's the part I had to get real with myself and ask myself hard questions. Do you know, you're really not sharing because you didn't think that people valued that or have you not valued what you had to offer? Mm-hmm. I said, so it wasn't about them because I knew it because people, if people are always coming to you for that thing, you know the fuck that it matters, right? Mm-hmm. It was me. That's the chrysalis portion. It was yeah. me. And it says, what part of your narrative have you disassociated with that you're not tapping in to pull out what you need? Dina, I'm going to have like a crazy weekend now, just like doing my deep exploration, just based on all these questions you're asking. Like this is, which is, which is like, I mean, we talk about like kind of like the universe, you know, works in the ways it's supposed to be working in. And like, for me, like I needed this conversation with you today. Like I needed to be with you and like in your presence and just get that fire. Cause like, we each are walking our own journeys, but thank God I have you alongside me too. You know, thank God, you know, Um, because there's like people like you who make me think in ways that make me have to do that deeper exploration because staying surface levels a fuck ton easier than it is to do the deeper work. And I'm like, Oh, I was, I am ready at for it at this moment in time. And, you know, just thank you for sparking it. No, thank you for like I always, you know, I have such a fondness and love of our sisterhood. Mm. And when we think about like the people in our life and on our journey and now I'm getting a little emotional with this. And I think mm. about the time when I was like, What the fuck do I need to even figure out? And I and I remember like you just being there and and serving in that capacity for me mm. to be that spark, you know to be the person to say, yeah. So be the person to say, I got you. I don't know what the fuck we doing, but I got you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's what I'm like. Okay. So I think about those memes. I'm like, okay, I just call my friend and we're going to do some shit. We don't know what we're doing. We're going to do some shit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I love that, that you're that person for me from day one has been like, what do you need? What do you got? What you want? What, 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 how can I help? What, how, and it's always been that way. There's mm-hmm. never been a time that I talked to you, that I felt that it was, it was rushed. And I know that you have a shitload of things to do that you weren't looking at ways to, how can I support stand up leverage 
or be an anchor for yeah. my friend. Never have that. It's always that mm-hmm. in your genius brain of putting all the things together, right? Is that <laughs> that has and that is priceless. That's priceless to me. And and so I felt like, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like gosh, I hadn't talked to Aaron. I'll be doing something like, but then I'm like, I guess because sometimes I talk to you in my head that it's not. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I talk to you in my head. And so that there's a different connected piece that it always feels like, well, didn't we just talk? Because yeah. so I figure we're doing it in the astral realm or somewhere. <laughs> um, right? Having meetings there. But it's, <laughs> it's, but you know what I mean? Like, you, yeah. <laughs> you have those certain people in your life. I'm like, I hadn't talked to you. It's been a couple of years. No, it had to be just. Yeah. And then you realize, oh my goodness. No, that's two years. Ago. No, it's not. That's how I feel, yeah. you know, <laughs> about, about you, about the, the, all of the things that we've been in. Actually, it's probably been since COVID because when we were doing the COVID virtual party thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's 2023. Why it feels like I just talked to you yesterday? I know. I mean, so that's the part to me. That's what's real. Mm. That's what authenticity gives you. Yeah, that's what that connection gives you. And knowing that at the right moment, at the right time, it'll be that connection that's needed because you're what I needed in this time, because I've sat with this book. I've sat with this work. I mean, like literally sat with the next going, yeah. oh, I'll wait. Oh, maybe it's not the time. Oh, I'll put it. And to be affirmed that now's the time and now's the season. It's like, Okay. And so I'm doing it in the pieces and at my pace. And for me, it's like, just keep doing it, you know, just keep doing it. Um, in I'm still in the rest season, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'm still like, no, Dana, you, you need to get your physical wellness together. I had a health scare, you know, recently. And it was like, it was all because I wasn't taking care of myself, you know? And it was like, oh, uh-uh, I am way too flawless and fine and fabulous yeah. to be going out this early. And so I said, I had to choose me. And so I could still do these pieces, but that's where the pacing card came in. So that's why I go, how are you feeling? If you want to go sleep, go sleep and don't guilt yourself and shame yourself. Right. into doing work, especially as an entrepreneur, because you can never shame your way to better. Right. Ever. Impossible. Mm. So I had to, and that's part of looking out at the world and, and that hustle culture. And if you're an entrepreneur and you're this, or you want to do this, you got to go fast. You got to get in front of everybody. No, because what I have is will solidify all the chaos and provide clarity for people in the world. That's what I bring. Mm. So if I this week, next week, or the week after, it's going to have impact. And I had to have that conversation with me because it was like, oh, I said, why don't I do this? It's no. Mm-mm. Go to, go, go to bed, take your ass to bed and get up in the morning. Mm. So coming back from our, like the big trip that we just had, I had this moment where I arrived home and I was like feeling calm, cool, collected, just refreshed, invigorated. And I was like, I want my internal motivation to not be stress. Mm-hmm. I want to actually like motivate myself intrinsically because I want to put this stuff into the world or I want to be doing this kind of work or I want to do X, Y, Z. I do not want the motivation because so much of my life has been motivated by like fear around money, stress around like needing to get something done. 
bullshit deadlines that I need to meet or I have self-imposed or whatever that might be. So when I think about like waking up in the morning and like having to wake up at a certain time and have to go hustle, have all these meetings, I was like, I don't, I just don't want to do that. And I have been, my like intellectually have been rejecting it and my body has been rejecting it too. (laughs) Like to be honest, I'm just like, no, I'm done. I'm done with this now. So it's like this conversation came at the perfect time. Because it's helping me to kind of even stand stronger, I think, in that. So the last thing we're going to ask you before we wrap up, though, is because I ask everybody this is what does it mean to give a damn to you? I'm going to take a new spin on it. To give a damn is really about the flow. Think about the dams that we hold up inside of us and we let flow out of us. And the healing energy of water, the leveling energy and the force and the power, the dynamicism. And so if I'm giving a damn, I'm giving you a flow of life force, energy. I'm giving you something to renew, refresh, restore, and to cleanse Mm. mindset so that you don't take those traumatic moments and embed them into your memory. And so to give a damn for me is to flush out. Yeah. Serve you right now so that you can operate in flow. That's what it means for me to give it to you. Rise and Rouse is created and hosted by me, Erin Allgood. It is produced and edited by Steph George of Stefania Audio. Production support from Grace Cleary-Morin and Yana Krasanova. Our theme music is written and produced by Chris Marion. If you enjoyed this conversation, please leave a five-star rating and review to help us reach more people. Make sure to follow Rise and Rouse wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss your chance to hear from someone who gives a damn. Follow us on Instagram at Rise and Rouse and sign up for my newsletter by going to allgoodstrategies.com. 